to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. As I said, beginning Galatians next week, but for now we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I was thinking about this week, and I was thinking about teaching to the beautiful faces that I'm going to see as I stand up on the stage and speak this weekend. Amen. That's right. And uh, I started thinking about, man, what are the people that are at our church walking through? And I think each one of us has a different story. Each one of us has different challenges and triumphs that we've walked through in the new year. And so I don't think this necessarily covers everyone, but I kind of thought about four different categories, and they all begin with the letter B. And so the first category I thought of is maybe some of us in here, uh, we are bright-eyed, bright-eyed. And what I mean by that is you're excited about the new year. Yes. And the people that are excited, they're like whooping right now. You know, you're pumped. You have uh, made some New Year's resolutions. Maybe you even kept them for seven days already. And so you're just excited and you believe like 2023 is going to be my year. And so awesome. Maybe some of us are not bright eyed. Maybe we're beat up. We're beat up. 2022 was a hard year. And I know I've talked to some people that they they said like when uh, the clock struck midnight on January or on December 31st, I was relieved. I was excited because I felt like, you know, finally this year's over. We can start with something new. And maybe you're even kind of hanging on nervously. Like, I I don't know if I can survive a year like last year. Maybe some of you are are brand new. And, And spiritually speaking, maybe you have just got started with your relationship with God. Maybe you have been gone for a while and now you're back. Maybe you don't even know if you believe in God, but you're just ready to see what's happening. And maybe you're just here like, Brian, I'm, I'm here. I don't know what's happening. I'm uncertain, but you know what? I'm brand new and I'm, I'm ready to see what happens. And, and then maybe some of us are bored. Bored is the fourth category. Maybe you just feel like you're on cruise control. Don't get too excited about the new year, same as last year, and I'm just kind of cruising through life, not too many ups, not too many downs. And and I don't know where you're at, wherever you're at, we're glad that you're here today. And I'm glad that you're here today, and I believe God has a word for you. But each one of us, we have goals for 2023, and I want to let you know that God also has goals for your 2023. I believe that God has a vision for your life, and that vision includes the steps and the days that you are going to walk in in this year. And so what I want to do today is I want each one of us right now to just pause and in our hearts, take a moment and ask God that he would show us his vision, his goals for our 2023. And maybe you've been a Christian and you're excited to do that. Maybe You don't even know if you believe in God or you don't even know if God even cares about your life. But maybe even for you, you would say, God, if you're real, if you do care, please speak to me and please show me what you want to show me in this time. So let's pray. God, I know that each one of us are coming at this moment from a different place, but God, each of us needs to hear you and have an encounter with you. So we ask you that you would open up our eyes and and show us what you want to show us for this year. Please speak through me. I know that nobody here needs to hear my opinion, but we need to hear revelation from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today is gonna really be two parts. The first part 
is we're going to be in Psalm 1, and I'm going to share some big picture vision. I'm going to lay a foundation for us as to what I believe the Bible teaches about God's vision for our lives. And then as we enter into the second part of the teaching, I'm going to share two really practical, helpful things that are going to help you and help all of us take a step forward in God's heart and God's plan for our lives. But let's start in Psalm chapter 1, and let's look at verse 1. By the way, Psalms are ancient Hebrew poetry. They are the worship songs of the people of Israel. And some of them are incredibly reverent and worshipful, just praising God. Some of them are very raw. Every emotion that you can possibly think of is found in the Psalms. And I believe that they are great to incorporate in your personal quiet time and your personal time with God because they cover so much of what we walk through throughout the year. But here we go, Psalm chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 1, and it says this. It says, blessed is the one. I'm going to stop right there, four words in. Blessed is the one. Isn't it interesting that when we're thinking about God's vision for our life, we're talking about God's plan for our year, and, and the first word we read is blessed. I want to let you know that God has a vision for your life, and it is the blessed life. God has an a invitation for you, and it is to walk in a life of blessing. Now, I think sometimes for those of us who are Christians, we can be a little uh, afraid of the word blessing because it's kind of been hijacked in some ways by the prosperity gospel. And, and listen, we need to understand that when God says the word blessing, it doesn't necessarily mean what the world thinks when the world says, I'm blessed, right? And so typically maybe when we think about blessed, we think about if I'm blessed, I'm hot, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm traveling, I'm popular, I have an Instagrammable life, I have a lot of influence, I have a lot of people that look at me and think I'm doing amazing, but that's not how God defines blessed. We're going to look and see how his definition of blessed. But I do want to say God's heart for us is the blessed life. Verse 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So two contrasting people and what's different about them is the attention and where their attention is. You see, there's one group of people who isn't interested in the things of God and who does not surround themselves with the people of God. And as a result, they move away from God. And then there's another group of people. The blessed life is the person who is devoted to God and devoted to his word. Let's keep reading verse 3. It says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now we're going to camp out and come back to this verse in just a moment. So let's look at verse four. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So once again, we see 
these two contrasting people with two contrasting results. And the way that it is explained is that the wicked, the unrighteous is like chaff and the righteous person is like a tree. Now, what is chaff? Chaff is a term that's used in wheat harvesting. You see, the wheat, when it's harvested, there is an um, a, a outward husk, and then there's an inward fruit or an inward grain. And so uh, what you do is you crush the husk, which is useless, and then you have inside the grain. But the problem is, uh, how do you get rid of the husk? How do you separate the two? Well, uh, what they would do is they would put all of the wheat and the husks into this giant basket, and they would go up on a hillside somewhere where there is wind, somewhere where there's, there, there's a breeze, and they would take the basket and just start tossing the wheat and tossing the husk into the air, and the wind would grab the husk that's lighter and blow it away, and the, the grain that falls that's heavier goes into the basket. So you're separating the wheat from the chaff. And so what the, the psalmist is saying is that for the wicked person, for the unrighteous person, their life is, is like a tumbleweed. They're getting blown here and blown there. Every single news update, every single circumstance, every single up, every single down, you're you're getting tossed around because there's no anchor. But then he says the righteous person is like a tree. Now, I have a tree that I brought on stage with me. This is an olive tree. Now, this tree is actually very special and very significant to me and to my family. Um, over the past year, uh, it's been a walk of faith for my family because um, in early last year, my sister-in-law and her husband, Katie's sister, um, they found out they were pregnant. And early on in the pregnancy, they found out that uh, their baby had a lot of complications. In fact, um, the doctors gave uh, their baby a 2% chance of surviving. And they were heavily encouraged to terminate the pregnancy uh, because the doctor said there's no way this baby will make it. Well, we all as a family begin to pray and we all begin to believe that God would want to, would do something powerful and that that wasn't how God wanted the story to end. And so what was amazing was that over the course of the next weeks as we continued to pray, um, God began to move. And in the fall of this year, a beautiful olive was born into our family. And it's really cool. God, God is a, a miracle-working God. And she's healthy. Um, she does have some health issues, uh, but she is a, a beautiful, beautiful girl. And so this year, uh, we got all olive trees uh, to commemorate what God did. Now, just as a side note, it's a lot of pressure on my agricultural skills <laughs> to have a tree that's like representative of our miracle child in our family, right? Like, I felt like as soon as I got it, I was like, guys, I just want to clarify, if this tree doesn't survive, like, I still love Olive. I still love our family. Like, please don't kick me out of the family, right? And so, like, no one's allowed to come up and touch this tree. You can't get near it. You can't breathe on it. I'm going to, like, put it outside and give it sunlight immediately. Like, I'm worried about this tree. I'm stressed out. But... But, but if this tree grows and if it flourishes, one day it will have deep roots and it will be something that can last not only for this year, but can last for generations. And so the big idea of the teaching today, the title of the teaching, what I want you to write down and think about as we move forward is this, that God wants you to be a tree. God wants you to be a tree. You can write that down. That's the big idea. That's the title. 
God wants you, God wants me to be a tree. And I want us to think about verse 3 that we read a little bit ago, and I'm going to read it again. The blessed life, God's vision for your life, is this, that that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. So now we're seeing a definition of the blessed life. This is what God is talking about when he says blessed. And I have on the screen five things that I think that we can take away from this verse. What does it mean to be blessed? When we hear about the blessing of God, what does that mean? Well, first off, I think it means a nourished life. The tree is planted by a river of water. So what is the river of water? The river of water is God. It's God's presence, it's God's spirit, it's God's word. And so when we are planted in the soil of spending time with God and being around the people of God, we live a nourished life. We're fed for the journey ahead. The second thing that the blessed life means is a fruitful life. It yields its fruit in season. Maybe right now you feel like your life is fruitful, maybe you don't. But maybe it's a season where God is, it's not a season for yielding fruit, it's a season of growth so that one day you will yield fruit. But your life will not be wasted. God will produce what he wants to produce in your life. The third thing that I see is a drought-proof life. The scripture says that his leaf will not wither. And so storms come, trials come, Drought comes, but because the tree has roots that are deep and it's anchored in God, it's drought-proof. The leaf doesn't wither. Not drought-free. You're not going to avoid suffering, but you have strength in the midst of the suffering. Number four, I see a, it's, it's a life that is a prosperous life. It says, whatever he does will prosper. Now, I think it's important to highlight, not prosperous based on I do what I want, but prosperous meaning I will accomplish the things that God has called for my life to accomplish. And then the last thing is this, a life that blesses others. You see, when you think about a tree, you think about the fact that that a tree brings shade. A tree brings rest. A tree bears fruit. And so not only is your life going to experience internal blessing walking with God, but it will also be a blessing to others as they find shade and rest and nourishment through your relationship with God. It's a blessed life. Now, I want us to look back at Psalm 1 and and look at a couple other things as well, because I think Psalm 1 really gives us some hints or some clues about what it truly means to be a tree, how you and I can step into this vision of the blessed life, this vision of what God has for us. And so the first thing I see about it meaning to be a tree, what does it mean to be a tree? It's up on the screen, and it's this. What it means to be a tree is that our thoughts, our imagination— And our desires are transformed by Jesus. I want you to think for a moment about what you think about. Think about the things you think about. You know, each and every single one of us, from the moment we wake up until the moment we sleep at night, we have an endless stream of thoughts, imaginations, dreams, and desires running through our minds. You know, it's been said before that your pastor is not the primary preacher in your life, right? So I'm not the primary preacher in your life. Pastor Dave is not the primary preacher in your life. 
you are the primary preacher in your life. You're preaching yourself a sermon over and over and over again every single day. So the question is, what are you thinking about day to day? And many of us, we, we are desiring to occupy our minds and our hearts with God. But for some of us, our minds are completely consumed by our own agenda. And it may not be a bad agenda. Our, our families, our jobs, our responsibilities, our hobbies. I'll be honest, I probably think about golf far too much. And I, when I think about what I think about, it's probably just a little white ball bouncing around up there sometimes. Some of us, though, you know, psychologists talk about this term called automatic negative thoughts, ants. Some of us, that's what we think about, that, that we have an endless kind of conversation of shame and condemnation and fear of the future running around in our minds. And so what's powerful, and this is a beautiful truth, is that you and me, we can change the way that we think and we can actually change the thoughts that are going on in our minds. I like to think about it like this, that there's an old saying that you are what you eat. This is always a tough conversation right after the holidays. Uh, but, you know, it, you're going to look different if your diet is exclusively donuts or if your diet is exclusively broccoli. And, and I'm not trying to cast shame on anybody or, or, or heap any condemnation on anybody. And trust me, like, just... Full confession, like, I ate a lot of cookies over the Christmas season, okay? And I told myself, like, January 1st, it's going to be different. And it's not different. I ate a ton of cookies this week, too. <laughs> and, and who knows? We'll see if, if God can move in my life. I need a week of prayer and fasting, January 16th through 19th. But, but like, we're aware of this from a physical appetite, but I also want you to know that from a thought life perspective, the reason that your mind is the way it is is because what you've been filling it with for the past five to 10 years. And so the question is, in five to 10 years, how do I want my thought life to be? How do I want my desires and my dreams and my imagination to be? And what I want us to think about is we want to be focused on God, on his word, on his spirit, because we want to become a tree. And so that's what we're focused on. That's the first thought about how to become a tree. The second thing is this, that I need us to understand that this doesn't replace everyday life. It empowers everyday life. Maybe as you hear me speak, you're thinking like, Brian, I really appreciate that, you know, you have the time to think about God and pray, but like, I have a real job. I don't just get paid to sit around and pray and read my Bible all day. And maybe you're like, Brian, I have responsibilities. I got, I'm an engineer I'm, I'm a student. I'm trying to do homework and juggle a part-time job. I'm trying to, to have a full-time job and have a family. I'm a stay-at-home mom or I'm a working mom or I'm a grandparent who I thought I was going to retire and have a ton of time off and now I'm busier than ever. And so when we think about this, we got to understand that this psalm, all of the scripture, it wasn't written to philosophers who just sat around Starbucks and sipped lattes all day. Like it literally was written to farmers, to merchants, to soldiers, to moms and dads and grandparents. And the design is this, that whatever God has called you to, that as you meditate on God and as you meditate on his word, it empowers you to all that God has called you to, which of course is the spiritual realm, but is also everyday life as well. 
And then the third really important thing that we need to think about and consider about what it means to become a tree is this, that God's power and our participation. You see, God is more invested in your spiritual walk than you are. God cares more about you and loves you far more than you could ever love him. And so whenever we think about spiritual growth, whenever we think about taking a step forward, we always must remember that God loved us and pursued us first. He's the one who sent his son to die on the cross. He's the one who rose again and saved us, sent us the Holy Spirit. He's the one walking with us every step of the way. So it is going to require our participation, but it's only because of God's power and God's grace. Now, remember I told you at the beginning that the first part of this teaching is going to be big picture. It's going to be laying that foundation. And then as we enter the second part, there's going to be two really practical, really helpful things that I share with you. And so now now we're going to enter into this section of the talk, and I want to open it with a quote from Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard is a great writer and thinker and theologian, specifically around discipleship, how we follow Jesus, how we take our next steps. And Dallas says this, since making disciples is the main task of every church, every church ought to be able to answer two questions. One, what is our plan for making disciples of Jesus? And two, is our plan working? So here's the question. Number one, do you have a plan? Number two, is that plan working? And so I want us to ask that question as a church, but I also want you to ask that question. If I'm going to live the blessed life, if I'm going to devote my mind and my heart towards the things of God so that I can be the tree, that person that God has called me to be, like, what is my plan? And is the plan that I'm currently working on working? And I want to tell you that as a church, we do have a plan. Maybe that should come as a surprise to you. You're like, I've been coming here for a while. It doesn't seem like you guys have a plan at all. I don't know. But, but we do have a plan, and the plan is called the seven disciplines. We can put that on the screen, the seven disciplines. Now, if you were back here in October, I shared a message called How We Follow Jesus. And in that message, I shared about discipleship, and I told you guys about the seven disciplines. So this is a little bit of just a refresher as we get into the new year. What are the seven disciplines? Well, I first want to talk about the title for a minute. First, I want to highlight the word seven, okay? Maybe the first thing you heard when you heard seven was like, seven's kind of a big number. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to memorize seven, much less try to remember to like do seven things. And I get it. Like, I'm old enough that I remember, like, pre-cell phones, we all had to memorize, like, 30 numbers. Like, it was like, I actually have to remember phone numbers to call the people I care about. And now, like, I don't even know if I know my wife's phone number because it's just locked into my contacts. So it, it can be hard to remember. And right now, I want you to know this. Like, I'm not expecting you to go home and immediately memorize these seven things, okay? There's not gonna be a test next week. But here's what I wanna say. That the Christian life... It truly is a marathon, not a 100-meter dash. And each one of us is going to go through many, many seasons with God. And each one of us, God invites into this endless well, uh, endless spring of knowing him and walking with him. And so 
These seven disciplines hopefully encompass a, a statement to say, God has so much for you. God is inviting you into so much. And so we're not asking you to say, go out and add seven things to your to-do list. But we are asking you to pray and say, God, what is one thing that you may be inviting me into during this season of my life that helps me to walk with Jesus? It's like this. If you are going to really start to take your health seriously, there'd be a lot of things that you could start to consider, whether it would be nutrition, whether it would be cardio, whether it would be weightlifting, maybe physical therapy, maybe visiting your doctor, maybe learning about sleep, learning about hydration. Like there's a lot to cover. And so the the best way to go about it is not to try and tackle all of those things. The best thing is to say, okay, I need to take my next step. What is one next step that I could take? And that's the same way with our spiritual walk as well. So that's seven. I also want to talk about the word disciplines for a second. To some of us, disciplines may be a bad word. Maybe you think that when I said discipline, the first thing you thought is like, is this legalism? Is this like, uh, like going to be really rough or really tough or something like that? And I want to communicate to you, like, uh, we believe that the way that we're saved is, is not through the seven disciplines. The way we're saved is we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And so I don't want you to think about the seven disciplines as a to-do list. I want you to think about it as a toolbox. It's not a to-do list. It's a toolbox. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'll tell you your to-do list. Your to-do list is God loves you. He died for you. He's invited you into this incredible life. And if we love him, we obey him. That's the to-do list. God loves us. He loved us before we love him. And now we respond by obeying him. But in that journey, each one of us needs tools that are going to help us along the way. And if you know anything about a toolbox, you know that the different tools accomplish different purposes. I have a couple tools that I brought with me. I'm not the most handy person by any means, but right now I have a tape measure and I have some saw blades for my reciprocating saw. Now, If I need a task that requires a tape measure and I try to use a saw, the job is going to go horribly wrong. It's going to be a hole in my wall where I was supposed to build something. You know, there's an old saying that to the man with a hammer, the whole world is a nail. (laughs) And maybe that could apply to some of us spiritually. Maybe... We felt stagnant in our faith because all we've had is kind of the spiritual hammer and we're we're trying to grow, but, but we don't have the right tools. And so the seven disciplines, these are tools that we can implement in our lives to grow. So what are the seven disciplines? I'm going to move through them quickly and we're definitely going to talk about them as we continue to move forward as a church. But the first one is this gathering to worship right now. You are practicing one of the seven disciplines. On weekends and on Wednesdays, there is something special that happens when you and I gather together to praise God and to worship together, to listen to teaching, to sing. Number two is spend time with Jesus. This happens when we read scripture and when we pray. And I want to encourage you and our team wants to encourage you that we want you to have a time set aside during the day. Maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's more, where you can sit down and where you can pray And you can read scripture and you can hear from God. Number three is connect with community. Connect with community. It's so important. 
that we have people in our lives that are going to encourage us and help us grow. Number four is fight for freedom. Some of us in here, we're struggling with addictions. We're struggling with mental or emotional health issues. We have baggage. We have grief. And the things that we're walking through internally are keeping us from being able to move forward in life and in our relationship with God. And so we as a church, we offer biblical counseling and support groups to help you with that. The, last, the next two I'll put up together, join a serve team and live on mission. The, the first four, they're all about God doing something internally in our lives. But, but then the next two are all about us, God working through us in the world. Serve teams would be serving somewhere in the church, serving our church body together. And then uh, living on mission is going out into the world to make disciples and to share our faith and to love those who are hurting and needy. And then the last one is invest your resources. Invest your resources. Last week, Pastor Dave taught an amazing message called Managing God's Money. And it's all about how we can be great stewards of the money uh, that God has given us. And by the way, if you missed it, absolutely phenomenal message. Would highly, highly recommend you going back and listening to that. In that message, he talked about a group called Financial Peace University. And I just want to speak for a moment on that. Maybe you're in here and you would say, I'm really struggling with my finances. I'm worried about this year. I'm in debt. I don't know how to move forward. Well, financial peace is an absolutely amazing and practical class that gives you tools to have financial freedom for yourself, for your family, but also so you can invest in the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful class. We're offering it two times in the spring semester at two different time slots. So it could be a great way for you to step forward into a next step. So remember, I said that I was going to give you two practical things. And we asked two questions. We said, do I have a plan? And is my plan working? So we have a plan. It's the seven disciplines. But the question is, is that plan working? And I want to introduce to you something that we are going to begin to offer our church as a way for us to reflect and as a way for us to ask, God, how am I doing? And what is the next step that I can take? And it's called a spiritual reflection tool. A spiritual reflection tool. It's located on our website, and it's a great way for you and for me to evaluate and to ask the question, God, how am I doing? What is my next step? Now, I want to share a little story about how uh, this came into being. We started thinking and praying about this idea, and, and the first kind of iteration of it, we called it a spiritual assessment. But, but when we named it that, as we started talking with our different uh, people on our staff and different people around kind of to brainstorm the idea, one of the things that people kept sharing was an assessment kind of sounds like a test. You know, it kind of sounds like you get graded right and wrong. And maybe like some people get like, you're an A plus Christian. And some people get like, you're an F minus Christian, you know, congratulations. We didn't want that to be what it was. And so we changed the name because we said, really, the goal is not for us to grade you. The goal is not for uh, God to grade you or for you to grade yourself. The goal is it's a reflection tool. It's a moment to evaluate where you're at and to ask God, how can I move forward and what can I do to move forward? And so, like I said, it's on the website and it's an opportunity for you to pray, 
take the assessment, and choose one or two areas to take that next step. Now, uh, Pastor Dave recorded a video for the webpage, and I'm going to share that video with you now. He's going to share a little more about it in this video. Check it out. As pastors and as a church, we are here to help people grow spiritually, and we call that process discipleship. That's what Jesus did. He called people to become a disciple. And a disciple is really someone who's dedicated to following Jesus along with other disciples. I like what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. So how do we train ourselves to be godly? Well, as a church leadership, we have looked at developing seven disciplines to help us grow spiritually. Disciplines that we feel like are part of discipleship. And we have a self-reflection tool that you can use to evaluate where you're at and what areas maybe you could grow in. You'll see those seven disciplines such as gather to worship, spending time with Jesus, uh, connecting in community, fighting for freedom, joining a serve team, living on mission, and investing your resources. Those seven areas we feel like are ways that you can grow in your discipleship. And we're here to help you. So as you go through this self-reflection tool, we're going to ask that you identify one or two areas that you feel like this is maybe a weaker area in my life I need to grow in. And then we're going to have some very tangible things that you can put into practice in your life to help you grow in those areas. Uh, This survey that is part of this uh, self-reflection tool is something that will come back to us in aggregate. We will have nobody's individual results, but we just want to see where we're at as a church. And you can use it to see what steps can you do to help yourself grow uh, that training in godliness that the Apostle Paul talks about. So, And if you need anybody to help you grow spiritually, we as pastors, as church leaders, we're here to help you do that. So... God bless. Awesome. So like Pastor Dave said, a couple different things. Like first off, this is not going to get back to us with your name on it. We are going to have in general the whole churches because it's going to be great for us to see kind of uh, how the church feels like that they're doing. But your specific information is going to be anonymous. Also, on that page, each one of the disciplines has a few practical action steps that you can take. Not that you have to take them, but it's an opportunity for you to take a next step and for us to kind of come alongside and help you as you grow. Now, now as we move forward, um, I wanted to share uh, what I got as my results from the uh, self-reflection tool. And I had a little bit of a head start on you, so I kind of knew about this before you did. And so I took the the self-reflection tool, and this was some strengths that I had. And and it's okay to actually recognize that we have strengths. Hopefully, as we're following God, good things are happening. And so a couple strengths I had. Uh, Number one, I kind of found out, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good with, with gathering to worship. It's it's part of my job every week to be here on Sundays, okay? So I'm doing pretty good at that. And um, I love it. I love being here for worship. I I love being a part of teaching. And I love just sitting when I'm not teaching and hearing God's word. Uh, Another thing that has been a a great joy this year has been connecting with community. I have a group of guys that we meet every Tuesday morning to study the Bible, to pray, to hold each other accountable. And that's been a great time. Now, a couple areas of weakness that I want to see myself grow in this year. Uh, Number one is spend time with Jesus. You know, I've, I've been 
consistent, fairly consistent this year. But um, because of having a newborn, because of taking on a new job where I've had just a lot of responsibilities over the past year, um, I just feel like I've been very rushed. I don't feel like I've had moments to really just sit down and be in the quiet with God and to just calm my soul, to, to read the word and to pray. And so that's something that I'm hoping to grow in this year. And, and, and kind of the same vein, uh, live on mission is something that I want to grow in. As I'm talking with people, as I'm out in the community, I just want to be more sensitive to how God's spirit is leading me. I want to be more sensitive to, to just being interruptible or being in conversations and just being led by the Spirit to share uh, and encourage people and, and talk about God and talk about the gospel. So those are a couple areas for me. Yours could be the same, but it also could be very different. And so I want to encourage you, uh, go online and take this assessment tool. That's kind of your homework for this week. Take this uh, spiritual reflection tool, excuse me, over the next week to two weeks. You can find it right on the homepage. You can find it in the news and events. Uh, we're going to send you to, we're going to send it through the app. Uh, it'll be on our social media. So we're going to make sure that we let people know where they can find it. And once again, it's anonymous between you and God. And listen, as you get to the end of it, before you hit submit, grab an index card, grab a note card, write in your journal, somewhere where you're going to see it, and write down what are the one to two areas where you feel like God wants you to take a next step. And keep that around. Keep focused on that so that you can take uh, your next steps in following Jesus. All right, as we close, I just want to remind us of one thing. I've said it a couple times today, but our spiritual walk doesn't start with our effort. It starts with God pursuing us. You know, Jesus, he died on the cross for our sins. He rose again. He is inviting us into life with him. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you that transformation can't start with ourselves. It must start with a relationship with God, and that happens through faith in Christ. And so let's pray together. God, we thank you for this time. I know we've covered a lot. We've thought about a lot. But God, I pray that as we step into this new year, that we would do it with intentionality, desiring to walk with what God has, you have called us to do. For those of us who are in here who, who don't have a relationship with you, maybe they've walked away or maybe for the very first time they need to begin a relationship with you, I pray that you would be speaking to them right now. If that is you and you want to begin a relationship with God or you want to come back to God, I want to encourage you that at the end of our service, there's going to be a prayer team down front. They are going to be able to, to help you take a next step and, and talk with you about beginning a relationship with God. And so don't leave here without talking to them and saying, hey, I want to I start a walk with Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We ask that you would move in a special way in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.